Welcome to the Blister Podcast, a program dedicated to interesting people, the great outdoors, and a bunch of other stuff we like. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check us out online at blisterreview.com. This week on the podcast, we present a roundtable conversation with three custom ski manufacturers about the process of building custom skis and what custom really means. We sat down with Pete Wagner of Wagner Custom Skis, Mark Wallace of Parlor Custom Skis, and Mike McCabe of Folsom Custom Skis. And among other things, we discussed why they each decided to go the custom route, how they go about the custom process, and what sort of skier might want to consider custom skis. We also talk about Frankenstein skis, why innovations in materials can be overrated, and the really remarkable fact that Wagner, Parler, and Folsom all offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee, which is a guarantee that I personally would never ever offer if I ever started building skis, so yeah, you probably shouldn't ever buy my skis. Now let's go ahead and get to our conversation with Wagner, Parler, and Folsom. We are here, uh, gathered today, in the Colorado Convention Center, and I am here with three custom ski builders. Um, we've got Pete Wagner from Wagner Skis, we've got Mark Wallace from Parlor Skis. If you go to parlor.com, actually just kidding, um, <laughs> go, to, Don't do that. go to parlorskis.com. Uh, and then we've got Mike McCabe, um, who I'm happy to be meeting uh, for the first time, uh, from Folsom Skis. Uh, Sam Shaheen is also here with us. Um, you all know him as Blister's outerwear guru. Um, and, uh, but we did want to talk a bit about the custom ski process, um, the fact that custom, quote-unquote, is not some monolithic thing, um, but we figured talking with three, these three different folks um, would provide some pretty interesting insight into um, that side of the industry and, and that world and some different processes. So um, to get started, um, I think we'll go left, my left to right here, and I might have Pete Wagner just talk a bit about uh, his background and um, how, where, where he's at um, and... Um, kind of a, give us the, the two to three minute um, version of, of Wagner skis and how that became a thing. Sure, uh, Pete Wagner here. So uh, I started my career actually as an engineer in the golf industry and I wrote software for design analysis, manufacturing, and then eventually fitting systems for golf equipment. And I'm a skier. Um, I, my experience is that I bought a pair of skis that I thought should have been perfect for me. They're from a good brand. They're the right length and width. I didn't think much about it. I just mounted them up, adapted to them. And after a few months, I went and demoed some other skis and realized that what I bought was actually way too demanding of a ski for me. So I had been spending a lot of time writing software for fitting systems and creating a technology about how to fit people into their perfect golf equipment and thought why is nobody doing this for skis or why, why isn't there a smarter way to buy skis? So at that point, I started converting my software to skis. Long story short, in 2006, opened up a ski factory just outside of Telluride. And uh, that's, I guess, the foundation of, of Wagner Custom Skis. Mm -hmm. Well done. Mark Wallace. 
So I'm Mark, I'm Parlor Custom Skis. We came at it from a little different background. Um, me and my co-founders had a really strong uh, ski racing background. So we actually raced, grew up in New England and out west, ski raced for a long time, and we left ski racing and were kind of looking for a way back into the sport, and we started skiing a lot more and felt that there wasn't really a, a ski that we wanted to ski on in the terrain that we had in New England. And so we started off a laminate construction platform, which is the way that these guys all build skis. It's a really solid base. Um, and started incorporating some of the more you know, wider platforms, early rise rocker, some of these new things that are happening in the industry to that sort of race platform to make a more interesting all-mountain ski. But always at the heart of it is a carving ski, because especially in New England, you need that sort of backbone of the ski. You always want to be able to rip and carve. And that's the kind of ski we like to ski on. Um, and we started doing it and we realized that especially in the east there was this big white space you know and there was a whole sort of group of east coast skiers who were looking for a brand that kind of like they could identify with and build skis that's gonna, that were going to work well in those conditions and so we we launched a company about four years ago we've been building skis for nine years but in business for four and we've uh, you know just been kind of rolling from there mm -hmm. Mike McCabe. Yeah, so Mike McCabe, Folsom Custom Skis. Um, kind of a similar background to uh, Mark here. Um, was going to college in Boulder from 2004 to 2007 and was competing on some big mountain tours and skiing for some big brand stuff and being a slightly bigger guy, you know, over six foot, over 200 pounds. I was having a lot of durability issues with skis and actually met the actual founder of uh, Folsom Skis, who's named Jordan Grano, uh, in 2006. And he was, you know, kind of dabbling into making some pretty cool skis already in his garage on Folsom Street. And I was essentially his very first tester. Um, so I come from a pretty interesting manufacturing background. I've, I'm not actually a formally trained engineer. Uh, was pre-med in college, but uh, have been working in the field for a very long time. I've been in aerospace and uh, injection molding uh, plastics facilities for a very long time and just have learned all kinds of interesting stuff, you know, through those um, jobs that were really, really applicable to, to building skis. And so when Jordan and I met, I was essentially just, a, you know, a, a ski tester checking out new shapes and you know, helping him design new shapes and then just immediately jumped into the tooling side and, and helping refine the process and come up with, you know, new ideas and, you know, really trying to keep good, solid skis with durability as, as the backbone of the ski for us as we really wanted something that was just super long-lasting and very, very strong. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yes, launched the company with Jordan in 2008 and we started in a really small facility in Boulder. Uh operated there for three years uh, and then I ended up taking the company over in 2011 and brought a new team of guys in that were all just my pro ski buddies that were all skiing for me essentially brought them in put them to work and moved to a larger facility in Denver and uh, have been moving since then well done so let's as I mentioned let's let's talk a bit about like this word custom right I mean we're I guess if we have on one side, we're used to, you know, most companies um, coming up and they're 
going to come up with a new ski and they're going to come up with 20 prototypes of that ski and figure out which flex pattern they like best. And at the end of the day, here is their model of ski X, right? Um, Pete already spoke pretty well to kind of what got him started into the, that custom, um, that custom scene. And we'll, we'll talk a bit more about that, your process, but maybe then I'll kind of ask you two guys, Mark and Mike, why not, why not go down that road of just here is our, here is our full stock lineup, right? Um, it's one, one approach. Um, so is this sort of merely a point of differentiation? Um, it, it seems hard, right? Like, I guess that's my, I think part of me, if, if I was going to do it, I'd probably go the stock route because it somehow seems easier, um, to me, like this is what this is. Um, do you want to respond to that horribly inarticulate question? Um, yeah, sure. I mean, there's certainly a lot of extra com- like complexities added when you're going the custom route. You know, it's it's very simple to just focus on a, a normal retail model and just produce skis and send them out there, and kind of just think of it in the manner of like, okay, you know, this ski is going to work for somebody in between this height and weight range, and build it appropriately. Um, you know, for us, it's, there's definitely a lot more that goes into it. And it really is just small, meaningful changes for us. Like we have baseline models. So I really have a very good experience of knowing exactly how these models are going to react. And then what I can do is just tailor it based off of, you know, some simple beta on your height and weight type of skiing. You're going to be doing what you want the ski to do for you. You know, background, good stuff like that. And really importantly, one of the most important things I always ask is, what have you been skiing on? What do you like? What do you dislike? How articulate can you really explain that to me in a, in a manner that actually makes sense to us? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then from there, we can really just do small little bits to, to make this ski work that much better for your body type, your skier type, and the type of snow and, and terrain that you're going to be touching with that ski. So, so at Folsom, is it right to say that, I mean, how many, let's, do we have a better phrase than like a kind of stock model or is there a way that you refer to? We have, we just call them ski shapes. Ski shapes. So I have 17 different shapes and among all those different shapes, we've got generally in between five to eight lengths. So it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and for us, I just, I, I really like to know, you know, the specific geometry of that ski and then edit it from there to make it work better for that end user. Um, whenever I'm, you know, pioneering a new shape, I, I take a little bit of time to get the appropriate people on it and understand what it's doing, you know, with those people. If I'm building something that I can ski, you know, clearly I'm not testing my, you know, 168, 8,600 foot skis because I'm not going to know what the heck that thing's doing because I'll mash it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but anything that I can ski, clearly I'm testing it. And then I've just got a giant group of testers ranging from expert level to honestly pretty beginner level and all kinds of different body types and where they're skiing to really get these you know products figured out and then i can just dial it in really that much better for that end user so mark parlor is the the newest right of, of our three mm-hmm. three folks here parlor is the newest son of the scene um if Folsom is working off of currently 17 different shapes do you guys have a similar approach to this? So start yeah. with. Yeah, I think we're somewhere between you guys actually in our approach. Um, You're between, so between Wag- Wagner, Wagner and Folsom. Folsom. Um, so we have uh, we have seven basic platforms, and we make them all in uh, 
seven lengths, I think. And then we focus on customizing uh, core material, flex pattern, laminates, and graphics. Those are sort of the levers that we pull. Um, and we do have, we have an online fit tool that we launched this year. So one of the things that we found really early on was that we were sort of touring with like parlor handmade skis versus parlor custom skis. And the custom word like really resonated with people. And I think part of what resonated was that it was more of an experience and a process um, than just like going in and buying something. And so we've really worked hard to bring people further into that experience, but also make it accessible. I feel like it can be super intimidating to like call somebody and I don't know what I want or I don't. Mm -hmm. So we use the fit tool and then you can just go through the fit tool and order that ski. It provides like a real time recommendation. You know, theory, we think you're a Kingfisher 105, 178, Maple Aspen Flex, and then I'll look at the fit tool data. And if I think something's off, I'll call the customer and say, hey, it's Mark, I just want to talk to you. Are you going to be riding in this? You make short turns, long turns, you know, kind of like feel them out. Um, but we try to make that more accessible for them to get that initial thing going. Um, and then, so yeah, but it's, so it's a combination of that personalized experience and then pairing the customer with the right product. Because like your experience, guys tend to want a ski that's more meaty than they need. And a lot of times women will sort of like undersell themselves and not get enough ski for them. It's been my experience anyway. And so getting somebody on a ski that's balanced for the way they're actually skiing um, really provides better on snow experience for people. And I think that's a lot of the value of what we do. And of course, the personalization of graphics, being able to represent you know, yourself as a person through, our, through a graphic representation on your ski is like certainly the most accessible piece. So that's how, that's how we do it. Pete? Do you want to then, having heard that, I mean, do you want to touch back on about this sort of Wagner process? Sure. So going in, going into it, um, we set up a basically an, an algorithm. I, going into it, I thought of it as a scientific way to how to fit people into the right skis. So we do a lot of uh, data collection on other manufacturers' skis, and that's calibrated with our design system. So we take what we call, uh, or map out what we call person skier DNA. So a lot of the information I think these guys talk about as well. It's physical information, uh, feedback on skiing history, where you ride, snow conditions, uh, goals with the ski, and feedback on past equipment. And then with that, we come up with a unique ski that's optimized based on length with side cut tip and tail shapes, camber, rocker, the materials, calibrate stiffness and flex, they choose the graphic. And so every time we go through the same steps, uh, but we make a unique ski based on all of those properties. So uh, it's every year we continue to refine things and get things more and more dialed in. When we first started, we really weren't sure how it was going to work. Definitely had, with my background in the golf industry, learned a lot of, of uh, tricks about how to calibrate these design systems and, and you know constantly take empirical data and calibrate that with the system, make sure we're building what we're setting out to. And uh, 10 years in, it works, it works really, really well. And... Uh, some people, 
you know, big manufacturers, I've heard them say, well, why, why, you're basically buying a prototype. Why would you do that? And we really embrace that and stand behind it. We think that it's a great way to provide a better uh, product for someone, really dial in all the variables and really optimize things. And ultimately, the goal is to get someone on the proper fit so that you have better balance, comfort, control. That's all what we're selling here is just really it's a performance thing. Mm-hmm. If, you know, if your equipment fits you properly, you're going to have a better experience and you're going to have more fun when you're in the mountains. I think it's important to note, too, I'm sure you guys have backed me up on this, but it's not just great skiers that benefit. Absolutely. Yeah, and, absolutely. And yeah. we've I get so many emails that are like, I've never carved a turn like this before. I'm not good enough for it. And I'm like, yeah, because you're on the wrong ski. Like, mm-hmm. beginner skis, the construction's bad a lot of times. Like, oh, materials yeah. aren't good. Yeah. They're not designed to ski well on. They're designed to sort of mitigate bad stuff and be made really inexpensively. Yeah. And so that, like, sort of intermediate advance, like, that's my favorite customer because mm-hmm. you know that they're going to be stoked. Yeah, like, that makes afterwards. sense. Yeah. yeah. I mean, dialing stuff in for somebody who's, like, totally tuned in is fun. But, like, great skiers can ski on anything. Yeah. Right? They're not going to have a marketably better. Yeah. I mean, they're going to have a marketably better day. But it's not like you're not going to blow their mind. Yeah. yeah in the same way you can with, like, a, somebody in the middle. Yeah, it's certainly those, those kind of intermediate people that have those breakthroughs. You know, and it's when they finally stand on the right ski and you dial it in exactly for them that they have that breakthrough moment on skis, two or three days of skiing it, just like, whoa, this is so much easier. I'm so much more comfortable. My legs don't hurt, you know, just simple things like that. Mm-hmm. So how, I'm, I'm curious, um, I mean, as somebody like I, <clears throat> I get inundated with emails all day long from around the world right like people are like i am looking for a new ski it's like i'm it's kind of the same thing i'm just not building the ski right like but uh i'm very curious and at at the and i'm sure it's a wide range but i'm very curious how the three different companies uh what each of you would say about the level of customer input you tend to to get and if it if it just fully runs the whole gamut for each of you, or if if there's some differentiation there uh, among, you know, the different companies, mm-hmm. Mike at Folsom, do you have a kind of like most of let's say seventy to eighty percent of the prospective customers are coming in kind of at a really sophisticated level of of background information that they're coming to you with, or how would, how would you quantify that stuff? You know, it, it varies from year to year. It depends on, you know, kind of the pockets that you're open up with, you know, who you're selling to that season. It varies every year by a lot. Uh, honestly, it's it's a lot of people that don't have a lot of information, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you, you're asking these questions, and I encounter people that are not familiar with rocker, you know, not familiar with just general terminology of skis, and, you know, I'd say that's a good 20 to... 30% of the business each year. Um, would, you, pro- would you guys, is it 20 to 30%? Would you? For pe- us, it's higher, I think. Yeah, more more of that. Yeah. More of, yeah. and it's, oh, go ahead. Pete's not, Pete's giving no tells here. <laughs> yeah, I, that's a good question. I would say 20% is probably on the higher side mm-hmm. for what we A we little do. less at Wagner, yeah. higher at Parlor, and 
to, well, to this 20. We're talking in generalizations, but yeah, that's yeah, interesting. Yeah. I wouldn't. It's, I mean, the brand loyalty is so solid, and I got to imagine it's really good through you guys as well. Um, you know, you just, it, those are the best customers because you've got that first ski that you yeah. know is good, but Benchmark. then you've got that baseline. Yep. And you can go from there, and you've already got this relationship, and you've got, you know, a better way to communicate with these yep. these customers. Um, but when new customers are coming in the door, it's I, I'd certainly say I'm in the, the 20% range of, of people that are really, you know, just not that educated about general terminology and what they're on, and, you know, we're... A lot of people just come to us because they see a rad graphic and they're like, I want that. I don't even care about ski. And it's like, well, let's talk about that for a little while. <laughs> um, you know, I really do make sure that every single customer um, that we that we sell to, we have a conversation with. Um, we have a fit tool online and we just like to use that to get contact information, gather the beta we need and kind of get them thinking about it, you know, kind of spice them up so that they can really talk to us when we actually get them on the phone and then we you know we take the time to just try to gauge athleticism try to gauge you know just who these people are and, and what exactly is going to work the best for them but it's all over the place with you know the type of people that you're getting you get these tech wizards that come in that are more techie than me you know they know all the little numbers of every single ski on the market and i'm like looking on the internet like oh Yep, that's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're right on that one. <laughs> you know, and you got you got to just learn to you know yeah. talk to the different people, and there's there's a fair amount of in between, and you know the the super tech guys are are not as abundant as you'd think in the in the custom realm, at least for me, um, and I think that's because the tech guys are just they're so techy that they're just all over the place. You know, they're just trying so much stuff that they're reluctant to really try to do something that costs a little bit more and you know it's truly a custom built ski but you know it, I, and I totally agree with Mark it's it's those you know mid intermediate people that are just so fun to deal with once yeah. you get them talking and, and excited about skiing and, and really like engaged and then execute a wonderful product for them and then two months later you get an email that's just like all these pictures of how happy they are and you know, just these skis are above and beyond anything I could ever expect. Those are the people that's like, yeah, got it. <laughs> I think it's another thing though too. Like, it's hard. I think for all of us at this table to see, like, because we are so far, literally in the skis every day, right? In the CAD, in the wood, in the. So when to understand, but like, I don't know how my car works. I use this analogy all the time, right? Like, I don't really care. Right. But I want to get in it, and I want to step on the gas, and I want it to go fast. I want it to stop. I want it to feel stable. I don't, so if, some, if the car salesman starts talking to me about, like, too much mechanic and all this, I'm like, dude, just, like, does it work? Mm -hmm. Right? And so for us, a lot of time, I feel like it's our job. It's hard to see that our job is to translate. Mm -hmm. So somebody says, I want to feel more comfortable. I want to feel, you know, we have to be able to say, okay, you're going to need a damper ski. You're going to need. And so a lot of our... I don't know if you guys do the same, but a lot of our messaging and a lot of the way we've been working now is like, we're always happy to nerd out. Like, if you want to talk, like, taper and material, we can do that all day long. But the bigger challenge is, like, how do you talk about it in terms of, like, what it's going to feel like, how it's going to perform, right? What matters to the customer as opposed to what matters to us who are, like, immersed in this yeah. mire of ski design. Yeah, just figuring out how to speak to who you're speaking to because everybody's different, and that's... That's one of the many challenges of custom skis. <laughs> but the, the beauty of a custom ski and that experience for skiers is that 
It doesn't matter where you live. You can get on the phone or email dialogue with an expert who does this, who focuses on this, who will help figure out exactly what you need to be on. And it's like having your own support team there curating the right product for you. And it's a really great experience for, for skiers to go through. Yeah, and I, I always tell people, you know, it's, we're not cheap, you know, it's, we, we build these things in the U.S., um, you know, we really take pride in what we do, and it's, it's not a cheap product, but I always tell people it's safer, you know, you walk into a ski wall, and depending on what kind of beta you've gotten on this stuff before, you know, if you've done your research and you're, you're that informed, savvy buyer that's really taking the time to educate yourself, you know, hopefully you can make a good decision. A lot of people just walking into ski walls are just relying on that guy that or gal or whoever's going to sell you that ski. And, you know, you, you just don't know what you're going to get fitted with. There's such a, a strange way of, you know, people incentivizing how they're selling stuff. And so you, you just don't really know if you're getting put on the right product. With us, we're really taking the time to talk to you and figure it out and make sure that it's correct. It's not just like, oh, we want to push this product on you because if I sell four of these, I get a free pair or something like that. Right. Well, but we all, we all guarantee, right? Oh, yeah. 100%. Mm-hmm. So, so this, this part is kind of blew my mind or does blow my mind. I mean, okay, say more about that. Let's, let's talk. What do you say when you say we all guarantee? What do you mean by that? Well, so we have 100%, I'll let you guys speak to your own, but yeah. we have 100% satisfaction guarantee. So if we build a ski and you don't love it, we'll take it back and we'll either build you another one or give you your money back. No questions asked. I mean, we usually ask a couple questions. <laughs> but like, why? why didn't you like it? Yeah, no, what or the more, hell is wrong the with only, you? The, real thing the ski that we, is perfect for The you. real thing that we try to get into is like if somebody tells me they want like a surfy deep powder ski and we build that for them and they're like, I've been skiing the front side of Stowe every day and this thing's super chattery. Then I'm, then it's sort of like, well, but you told me to build this and no. we did and you don't like it. And that's, is that our fault or your no. fault? And we'll still <laughs> take, not. we'll still take it back. But like, I always try to oh, like, wow. if we built the wrong thing and you told us to build the wrong thing, that's different from me, like analyzing you and just missing the fit. Right. Yeah. This is why I could not be a custom ski builder because I'd be like, <laughs> screw you, and then yeah, I would be out of business in like a week. Well, yeah, and that kind of circles back to one of my questions. It's like, it seems like it's a really, really collaborative process that you guys have, um, but I know coming from an outerwear perspective, like if we were doing custom stuff, customers would come to me all the time with ideas that were just bad. You know, ideas just like, you should not do that. It's not going to work. Does a customer ever come to you guys with an idea that you're like, I won't make that, or... Or, and I guess to that line, where do you draw the line if a customer wants to make a ski that you think is going to ski really bad? Where do you say, like, sorry, we're not going to put four sheets of metal on that ski or we're not going to do, you know, whatever it is? Yeah, I mean, there's a heavy level of people where you got to watch how much smoke they're blowing. You know, you really got to, if I can meet a person, that tells me a lot right away just to be able to look at them and kind of just assess more so the, the individual, you know, I when it's just a phone call and you've got somebody that's like, uh, you know, I'm 5'10", 180 pounds, but I'm the nastiest skier on the mountain. I'm going 100 miles per hour in every direction. And it's like, look, <laughs> in every direction. You know, I, I, come, I come from a background where I'm used to really strong skiers and I build myself very strong skis. And I've definitely had a few times where somebody's told me like, I'm the best and I built them what I want, you know, that would have worked for them. And a couple weeks later, they're like, 
this was really hard, it's beating me up, it's too demanding, and it's like, well, what did you tell me? Look at this email chain, you know, like I told you, if you want it stiff, I can do stiff, you know, but it's not always the so, answer. So, okay, so, <laughs> I mean, the this is the hard question, though, right? In that case, I would be like, screw you. You lied. You misrepresented yourself. You yeah. don't, you, but, so this is just a case by case. You have to sort of sort this out and you come yeah. to a semblance it's, of... For us, it just doesn't happen often. Um, okay. We're pretty good about really isolating that, you know, and, and we, we certainly have a 100% guarantee, no questions asked. Um, if, if you don't enjoy that ski and I mean, it could be for a pretty long period of time too. I mean, I've, I've had some guys come back to me, you know, six, eight months, year later and just be like, look, this isn't right. But we, it happens so rarely for us. It's probably honestly two to three a year, if that, and you, you have, you have a few of the people that, you know, it, they told you the wrong thing and they get it, you know, they're like, yep, you were right. You know, this is too much. You warned me, you, I told you to build it anyway. It's okay. And we'll take care of them, you know, like we'll take care of them, but I would not take care of them. It's tough. It's tough when to we justify launch, it, When but... we launch Ellsworth custom skis, there will be no hundred percent guarantee. <laughs> Screw you guys. You were wrong. You lied. Right. So you should probably just get your skis from these guys. Right. Um, but yeah. yeah, and there's, there's just some people that just won't be happy no matter what. And generally with those guys, I, I get one of those a year, every year. And I usually just give them their money back and say, you know, no harm, no foul. Yeah. Call Pete. Yeah. Call Pete. <laughs> Call it Mark. <laughs> Go try these guys out. Yeah. Yeah. Make- Pete, did you your thoughts on the on this this guarantee or on yeah. the, what you're hearing from these? Well, yeah, I completely agree with with all of it. A, a big part of it is being able to communicate with people what the ski is going to be good for, what how it's going to feel and perform, and that will often reveal any. Uh, issues with you know they what they might experience if you're saying yeah this is going to be optimized for soft snow and and uh you know it's going to be it's not going to be a good hard pack ski that's a big red flag for someone who's skiing on 99 percent on piece stuff or vice versa so a lot of it's communication up front making sure you're on the same page and it's the same thing with us it doesn't happen it's less than one percent of the skis we make are that we have any issue with so it's just part of doing business did they answer your question sam because i like yeah. that question about do you just get bad ideas yeah i mean well and, oh and, yeah and, and well, do you, do i've you, got some i'm sure do you, I, I have yeah i've gotten a few of those but <laughs> yeah we had we've had a fair number of snowblade requests <laughs> I, I wish I, Cy, I, why I, can't Cy Whitling be here I right now? You, I kid you Stick not. Stick with the mom board. I had one woman <laughs> ask if we could make, uh, I sh- probably shouldn't say this on the air, but um, with, she had snow blades with the locked in bindings yeah. and she wanted us to make a pair that was big enough so that she could mount real bindings on it so she'd come out. And I like was about to start talking to her about like the tour and how the, and I was like, I told her we'd do it, but I, I gave her a number I don't think she likes. So. <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah, the way that I handled it. Because yeah, for one thing, from my perspective, is you know, every product you make, it's got your logo on it, and it's, it's, a, it's a part of your brand as a marketing tool, and you don't want to put something out that's just like a snow blade that's this long. With but they, they may be it, evangelical about it. Yeah. They could love it if they yeah. wanted this thing and they <laughs> ballet skis. Yeah. I get at least one request a year for ballet skis. 
Nice. And I that's tell them cool. if they can get awesome. 10. I haven't gotten any of those. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the Must be an East Coast thing. But I was like, if you can get 10, if you can get five people together, I was like, I'll build your mold. Wow. Yeah. Ballot people, you heard it here. Five people together. We just together. need five people. Skis. Go to parlor.com. <laughs> no, just kidding. Don't do that. Go to parlorskis.com. And uh, five of you. We need to see some parlor ballet skis in the world. So that would be sweet. Well, you guys did some awesome straight skis. Yeah. Turntech 201 Pros, man. Turntech, yeah. yeah. We've talked about those, actually, I yeah. think, on a different Luke Jacobson. Because yeah. uh, he was. He's, he's going to. Build a, a straight ski this year. It's, it's what the, he says, yeah. Like 207 He's... Comanche, Chief Comanche Pro or something yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he wanted to make them slightly longer than yours. Wasn't yep. that the yeah. case? I yeah. just told him it doesn't matter because his tip's going to be square still anyway. So <laughs> it doesn't count. <laughs> it doesn't count. <laughs> Got to have a pointy tip. Pointy tip. Yeah. Oh, well, Turn Tech is funny. <laughs> turn Tech is something that I got convinced to do from one of my, my real longtime friends that owns pit viper uh-huh. uh, so we lived together in college and he's on my team and i'm giving him all this really rad product and there was a couple low snow years in uh in utah and every pit viper post i see chuck's on these like you know olin mark sevens and stuff and i'm like chuck come on buddy why am i giving you all this stuff if all your skiing is easy he's like ski straight skis they're really fun these are sweet and i'm like don't want to build those it's pretty far out of the wheelhouse of what i do and it's going to take some time you know and then i got like a old pair of 205 fishers and mounted them up skied them and was convinced right away like yeah okay these are sweet so built some turn tech 201 pros and what the turn tech is is we added rocker to a straight ski and it, it makes you turn easier <laughs> uh, but it's a hoot like you know I, I i grew up with a bump background yeah. and you know it's not i've skied stuff like it but it's it's a fun ski yeah but we have gotten some very strange requests like we've had uh we've had a guy that wanted a really lightweight touring ski but he liked how old touring skis had like very old skis have super tall tip heights on them like way back in like the orange fishers i forget who that was that pro model was but the tip height was just bent up at a violent you know mm-hmm. radius and it was you know it's like Did it fit in the press it's so high off the off the ground you know tip height was just nuts and this guy's theory was he's like i essentially want this ski but like modern you know i want a modern side cut version with this tip height that's just wild and after like 10 phone calls with the guy like he was like yeah let's go ahead and i'm like all right so built it and he loved it and his his concept behind that is he thought the big tips stopped him from crossing his tips and worked for him so Hmm. it's been a you know i I built him a mold and everything and it's it's his mold Hmm. nobody else wants that it works great for him though you know it's so we've we've had some very odd (laughs) ones we've also had uh a guy that was just in love with like a 2001, 2002 K2 AK Enemy and only skied that ski until like two years ago. And he bought it, you know, from wherever he could until he eventually could no longer find that ski. And then he just brought me one. I reverse engineered it and just made a better version of it. Yeah. And he loves it. Hmm. So he's got his own mold too. We've got some weird ones like that, but it's small. Yeah. It, it doesn't happen that often. Pete, on that on that note, I wanted to ask you in particular about this um, <clears throat> the sort of 
the resurrection skis, we'll call them. You know, we, we, it's funny. We hear certain skis that people love and then they get discontinued. And um, so one of them that is like, people are in my ear all day long about this, but like the Rosignol Sickle um, <clears throat> from a few years ago, one, I have no idea why Rosignol won't just bring that ski back. I just don't get it. Like, they would have insta sales off that thing. But what I'm wondering is, could, if, if, if as many people do, if they're like, I loved this ski, it was perfect, you know, could you, or, or any of you, I mean, how close could you replicate something like that? Is that of interest? Does that happen? I mean, you just, Mike, you just gave an example, um, but um, given that, if I understand this correctly, that, that Wagner is maybe working less off of kind of some specific set platforms or shapes. Is yeah. this, is this a function of what you're doing or, or is that actually more rare um, than it, I don't know, could be, I guess. It's, it's common. What we see is often, I call it the Frankenstein ski. Uh-huh. So we, we, and it's usually with really good skiers and people that have really strong skiing backgrounds. And they'll say the 2000, six vocal gatama combined with you know some uh fisher that they liked in 2003 and we end up looking at all of the mechanical properties and then putting something together that's trying to take these best attributes and and creating that and we do that a good amount it's pretty fun and it's the hardest thing i think is when someone says here's this one ski can you create an exact duplicate of that because in a lot of cases, it's just, it can't be done. We, for a while, when a ski that had a strange cult following was the Atomic Metrons, which had some sort of yeah. steel bar torsion mechanism on it. And with our construction, we just can't do that. We can make metal skis, glass, different carbon fiber, different wood cores, but we don't have any type of steel tubing technology that we're doing and so you know no matter what we did it just wasn't exactly the same and so that can be that can be the challenging thing but if you think about it in terms of yeah what what it, what are the characteristics of my dream ski then that's something that we can we can work out and be able to quantify that and talk about it and create and that's a pretty common pretty common request mm-hmm Another question that um, I'm curious about is on the on the under the name of customization um, materials. How much? And I, I presume there's going to be some differences here among the three of you folks. Um, we're talking about custom shapes, um, custom flex patterns. That stuff I think seems fairly straightforward. Um, but what about you know how much difference are are you guys? Is Folsom and Parlor using the same pool of materials to go achieve these different flex patterns and, and, and to work with these different flex patterns and shapes and stuff versus like, man, we go that we run a real gamut just in terms of the materials themselves. I think all the materials that we're all using are pretty similar, you know, um, same top sheets, you know, for sure. Uh, base material is really similar, but as far as like, you know, how we're sourcing the wood and what composites we're putting in there. All similar but different and all used in, I'm sure, different ways. But, yeah, absolutely, there's a ton of similarities. I mean, there's there's only X amount of materials you can really use to build good quality skis. You know, there's a lot of materials that just 
like you just touched on, steel tubing technology. Like, really, is that valid? Is that something that you want in your skis? Well, it's, it's interesting. I don't, um, I mean, I think there's probably some variation. I mean, we did a lot, of, or especially early on, we did a lot of testing with, to figure out, you know, how wide we wanted our core laminates, you know, the, the vertical laminates and which materials we liked for which characteristics. And I feel like probably all of us have pretty different layups within the core. And, but so some of the suppliers are probably similar, but I think that that's a lot of the personality of the company, like comes down to what, you know, what materials work for building skis the way you want them to feel, you know, or what your personality is. Um, and then I think too, like we're all, like we're limited or not by the sandwich construction, right? I mean, we use an open mold sandwich construction way of building skis. So somebody wants a cap ski or somebody wants, you know, something else, then that's sort of like outside of our, our wheelhouse. Do you, thought, do you want to respond to this one? Or? Yeah, sure. Um, so at, at Wagner Custom, we basically, our platform currently is uh, five different kinds of wood cores, fiberglass, uh, three different variations of carbon fiber constructions, titanol, laminates, uh, three different kinds of bases. We do aramid uh, additions. So there's probably close to around 100 different variables on that, I guess, that is what we're, we're dealing with. And it's a pretty good range, and we're usually adding different stuff to, to that mix every year or every other year, but gives you a pretty good, pretty good range of things. We don't do, like, foam cores, um, and probably like these guys, it's, you know, a sidewalk, P-Tex sidewalls, and... Um, pretty traditional stuff. I mean, the way that we think about it is um, if you look at uh, ski boot technology, in the 70s, it was a lot of injection molded shells with three and four buckles and and foam liners. And over the years, there's been uh, a lot of advances or at least experiments with different types of boots. There was rear entry boots and they've had air insoles and different things. And you know, you go into a ski, uh, you go into a, uh, a ski shop today, and you look on the wall, and it's injection molded shells with three and four buckles, and foam liners. And what the there's been some advances in densities and materials and whatnot. But what the boot fitters figured out is that the way that you can improve someone's balance and control and make their feet warmer and give them a better experience is by focusing on the fit. And that's really what we're doing. I mean, we're building our construction is really the way they were making World Cup race skis in the 70s. And by focusing on the fit, that's a good way to get a lot of these similar performance benefits, improving someone's comfort, balance, control. I totally agree. And just to add on to that, a lot of the innovations, I think, that happen on a material side are designed at cost-cutting at manufacturing at scale. Huh. Right? And so you see a lot. And I think there's a lot of marketing buzz around that. But, hmm. I mean, foam core cap skis are way cheaper to make than laminate construction hardwood core skis yep. right there's no question about that that's why ellsworth custom skis is going to be only <laughs> All foam, foam core cores. foam cores no guarantee yeah it's going to be it's sweet. a recipe for success yeah, I think. totally <laughs> exactly well, and, and that kind of touches and somewhat answers the question i was going to ask which is i think there was a podcast a few months back with some other ski designers from bigger companies and when the, the question posed like what do you see going forward and everyone said materials yeah. you know focusing on materials and I think in the customer realm it seems like you guys don't really have that ability to really focus on materials when every customer comes in and has to you know do the thing and it seems like Pete you're saying that 
it's this fit that's really pushing your skis forward rather than this, the materials testing. And I, I guess, do you guys feel that that puts you at somewhat of a disadvantage that you don't have the, 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 the time and resources to look into doing all these, you know, space age honeycomb composites or whatever these guys are, are looking at? Um, I mean, honestly, I, I, he kind of, Mark kind of touched on that. Um, I think a lot of the material science that's coming through for these bigger brands are, you know, what kind of buzzwords can we associate behind these things to help our sales staff push this product? Yeah. You know, I can't, I, I'm not going to get into it here, but I can poke holes in, you know, damn near any of the technology I'm seeing in a ton of skis right now that, you know, these reps are coming up and talking to me about, and they know who I am, and when they tell me it, they're kind of talking through their teeth. It's like, yeah, yeah. I know why that's done. It doesn't work, you know, like, there's a reason we're doing a a simple construction. I just did air quotations. <laughs> it's not simple. We have a, a, a ton of materials that we're using, you know, and it, I, it's hard to say if we are at a disadvantage because we just don't have the, you know, the massive resources behind it and the people that can just sit and focus on that. But like I said, there's, there's truly only X amount of materials that really should be used in a ski in a properly built ski. And if you start deviating from those too hard, you're going to find stuff that doesn't work that looks cool and may, you know, be able to shine some bright lights through it and sell it that way because it sits in a window and looks sweet and can help your sales staff sell it. But for us, it's, there's a good reason why race skis look like they do because mm-hmm. they're built the right way. All three of our skis included look like race skis. Yeah. I don't think we're at a disadvantage at all. I think one of the interesting things, and you were a little ahead of this, so you might've seen it more, but I really think that the access to those high quality materials was what spawned a lot of the ski industry in America, the way it is now. I mean, small brands and custom and boutiques are growing like crazy because all of a sudden you could get, right. You didn't used to be able to just like go out and buy tracks or buy Titan all in small quantities or base material. And this whole industry is, developed around that access to material so as those guys are playing with new stuff i mean that filters down and and we have access to stuff you know out of like one of the scrims we use in our backcountry layups i found at a surfboard shop i was hanging out with the owner we were talking and he had some cutoffs and we started testing it and it worked great sorry one of the the scrims so we like a carbon fiber scrim so it's like a it's basically kind of works like a triaxle glass it's got like a longitudinal weave and then it has like a, a tech tech net like weave on the top and so I was like well that might have the characteristic we want and so sometimes we can test stuff and I have to make one I don't have to make a hundred to test them so sometimes we can push things in a way that they can't so you know well big yeah. time yeah I'll, I'll let Pete go ahead uh, at at our at our shop at Wagner Custom um we can take a concept and make it into a ski, you know, in a matter of days. In the big factories, you know, it takes them a long time to create the tooling, to go all through these steps. So in, in a lot of respects, we're way more agile and nimble and have the ability to actually experiment and put things on the snow at a much quicker, more efficient rate. So we have material science companies appro- approaching us and in the past have approached us and said, hey, we'd like to commercialize this. Can you... You know, can you work hmm. with this? And it, a lot of it just has to do with our agility. So I actually don't, it's, it, 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 it's rational to think that the big companies would have all of this technological advantage. I don't see the evidence of that. 
I think there's a lot of advantages of our scale and, mm -hmm. and, and our agility. Yep. Well, and also they're limited by, I mean, in, in your first podcast here last year, a lot of those guys were talking about like the way they get a design brief and how they're always engineering for this average skier. Right? I mean, you've got to do the, the flex in the 171 that's going to work the best for the most people so you sell the most pairs. Mm -hmm. And, like, I never think, none of us ever think about that. Right? It's like when you call me, I'm building your ski. It's yeah. the only thing I care about. And so, like, that is so much more meaningful than, like, you have all the R&D in the world, but it's not necessarily pointing at the consumer. Right? It's pointing at, in all these other directions, into the sales and the marketing. They have all these conflicting interests that like, we just don't have. Grant, to kind of speak to what Pete just said, um, you know, the agility is, is a major thing that I feel like sets all of us apart here, uh, you know, to the fact that I can prototype and design a new shape within a day or two, and it's all filtering through one human being here. You know, I'm not having conversations with an engineer that's then talking to another engineer and then somebody that's actually executing the tooling and then somebody that's actually executing the press. Like when I'm doing something fresh, I execute it the whole way. I design it, I draw it, I dissect it, I machine what I need to, I build the ski, and then I go ski it. <laughs> you know, there's, there's not a lot of big companies that can say that. There's, there's language between all these people. And, you know, for them, it's, I was just talking to one of the big brands today and I was kind of chuckling about how long it took them to arrive to the ski that they got to. It took them a year and I just looked at it and was like, I'm going to have that done by Saturday. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I, I'm sure you guys talk about this too. A lot of your customers I'm sure are Italian, right? But at Parlor, like we grew up on the same trails that our skiers are on and we ski them every weekend mm -hmm. and we see our customers on the hill and first of all, if you make a bad ski, they're going to tell you about it because <laughs> you're going to see them on the mountain but like they're like you're right there and when somebody's like oh i like to ski a trigger brush i'm like oh what are your favorite runs they're like oh you know like paradise i'm like yeah you like the left side or the right side like do you, you know and that connection they get it they're like oh you know what i wanted to do because you're right there and like there's no engineer at xyz ski brand that you can talk to about a trail that you love and how you want the skier perform you just can't do that so what's the best question that I haven't asked you guys um, about the custom process or um, about your own operations? Help me do my job better. Um, American manufacturing. How about that? How about that? Yeah. Trying to keep it healthy, keep it in the U.S., create more jobs. Not outsourcing. That's another big question. I don't, we don't outsource any of it, you know? It's all under one roof. Are you, uh, do you guys also custom build walls? Because I hear we've got a big wall project <laughs> coming up. Great, we had to go there, huh? I mean, I don't segue out of that. that. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I hear we're going to need some goddamn wall builders soon, so. Um, um, uh, I think funny. the best, the best question you didn't ask is probably the, or are we all supposed to answer that one? Yeah. The wall building? Oh, no, we no. don't. We can do that. We can. Uh, but no, it's the why. Like, why, why do you yeah. do this crazy thing of like building skis? And I don't know if you get, my answer is just that, like, I love skiing and I love talking to skiers and I love making people have better days on the mountain. 
and that's what like gets me out of bed every day because I always I'm always doing something interesting and it's a way to be involved with a sport that I love like all year long and that's like a really rare thing to get to go to work every day and be excited about it and love what you do and I think the people that do that execute better and I know that these guys both feel the same way but that's well anyway that's my why I don't know if you guys have a different why. Nah, that's that's good the why I love building things you know I absolutely love challenges I love building things I love being able to apply that to my biggest passion in life it's it's a dream come true I never thought I was going to be doing something like this and it's that's the why why do you do it and I get that all the time and for me it's always the I absolutely love creating things and being able to blend it with the thing that's most important to me and make people happy absolutely yeah uh getting getting to help people sharing something that I really care and love with people all over the world it's really that's a satisfying part of it and um I think the question you didn't ask me has to do with what, you know where we are mm-hmm. in, at in Wagner Custom Skis. We actually just uh, we just set up a new manufacturing facility, and we're about 200 yards from a chairlift in Telluride. So we have this new facility. It's really really cool. The Telluride Ski Resort really backed us on this to make it happen, and um, you can come by and see us building skis. Uh, it's pretty theatrical the way that. The shop is set up, and uh, yeah, would love you know anybody that's in the Telluride area to come on by and come say hello and check out our scene. Hmm. Cool, that's cool. I didn't know that you did that. Yeah, congrats, yeah, man. That's yeah. really awesome. That's, that's last like, month. That sounds like a dream new. to me. Yeah, I gotta find my resort where I can <laughs> go do that because Denver's tough. Well, it's great. It's great for manufacturing. It's great to be able to source stuff easily, and you know, it keeps costs down a little bit, but. That's been a big dream of mine for a while is find that resort where I can build skis, go ski for yeah. lunch, build skis, go ski yeah. for a little while, go build skis. And, Mike, where exactly are you located? Um, we're just about 20 minutes away from here. Uh, we're right where Highway um, 36 and I-25 come together. Okay. So just far north of Denver. Did you say just far north of Denver? No, north Denver. It's, it's north the Denver. furthest yeah. north Denver okay. address you can get to, really. Okay. Just right next to Adams County. And Parlor Skis is in? We're uh, Parlor's right in East Boston. We're stone's throw from the airport. And we get at the sort of why are you guys in East Boston question sometimes. Um, but it's given us this really amazing access to a huge population center of New England skiers. Right? Because so many people who ski on the weekends are in Boston. And, you know, we're an Uber ride from everybody's office. People come for lunch for a fitting. You know, give you scotch, we hang out, we talk, beer, whatever you're into. Um, and having that ability, we do shop nights. I don't know if you guys do It's like brewery tour for skis. You can come into the factory anytime, hang out, see what we do. That access has really opened up, I think, our like product and our brand. It makes it really accessible, um, which is a huge advantage for, our, for us. Um, it's also led us to do the ski building class, which we actually do a class where you can come work with us two days or three nights and build a pair of skis and leave with your own skis, which has been pretty awesome product for us. Cool. I'm going to have to come and build my first foam core non-guaranteed Ellsworth <laughs> Custom with you guys, maybe. Can't wait for that. That'll be sweet. So, well, thank you. Um, I think we'll wrap on that, but um, this has been fun, and um, thanks for the time, and um, happy ski building and skiing to all of you. Yeah, thanks for having us today. Yeah, thank you. 
That's it for this edition of the Blister Podcast. Many thanks to Pete Wagner, Mark Wallace, and Mike McCabe for the conversation, and to our strikingly handsome audio engineer, Justin Bob, who I haven't been skiing with in a while. J-Bob, we need to go skiing. Till next time, head over to blisterreview.com to see what we're up to there. And also, do us a favor if you're enjoying these podcasts. Leave us a rating or give us some feedback. Maybe write a haiku, uh, something like that, uh, over at iTunes. Um, Just say something nice. We'd appreciate it, and we will see you next week.